Well, I invite you now to turn to our scripture passage for this morning, uh, over on page five. <clears throat> you'll see, you'll see our text and then an outline for our, our message this morning. Page three. Did I say five? Page three. It's Second Corinthians five. That's where the five comes in. Second uh, Corinthians five. We're continuing in our study of Second Corinthians. And we're moving into chapter 5, but really the, the chapter division is a bit artificial because Paul is really continuing the same theme uh, he, he was expounding on in chapter 4. Uh, if you weren't with us, we were, took several weeks to work through chapter 4 and discovered that the big theme there was uh, God's people don't have to lose heart. We don't have to lose heart. And Paul explained why we don't lose heart. In part, because of what God is doing in the present. That was the beginning of chapter 4. And then last week, we started to see we don't lose heart because of what God will yet do in the future. That was the end of chapter 4, and it's exactly the theme he picks up in chapter, the beginning of chapter 5. What God will yet do and how it in, encourages us. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and, and read the first eight verses of 2 Corinthians 5. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. Uh, for while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Let's, let's pray again. Father, we pray that you would use your word uh, to strengthen each one, that those who don't know you would, would see the glories and the salvation of the Savior, and, and for your people to be built up in faith and strength and good courage, even this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> would you would you describe yourself as a person of good courage? Did you hear Paul use that, that language twice in our passage? We're of good courage. Would you describe yourself as a person of good courage? Um, well, maybe, maybe, maybe ask it this way. Would you like to become more and more a person of good courage? Amen. <laughs> yes. Yes, right? So that, so that in the midst of the hardships, in the midst of the afflictions, in the midst of the difficulties, more and more, though it hurts, more and more there's courage and, and confidence uh, as you go through the valleys of, of this world, uh, as things hurt. Uh, more and more courage. As, as temptations come, more and more courage. As there's disappointments and struggles, more and more courage. It, it sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. How do we get there? 
How do we grow in good courage? Well, you see, what Paul really hones in on is good courage flowing out of what God will yet do for his people. And now, of course, we get encouragement uh, for the present, in the present, and Paul talked about that in chapter 4, uh, but especially he's been laying a hold of what God will yet do, uh, as if to say that the things of this world are, are too heavy uh, that, that we need as believers to really find that courage, to really find that joy in the present, we need to borrow on the future. We need to borrow on what God will yet do. And there's, there's where the strength, the joy, and the courage uh, grows out of. And so he's going to take us again to meditate on, on what, will, what will yet be, trusting that we'll, we'll grow in that good courage uh, together. Uh, so we're going to meditate on future facts, uh, break down some of the details that Paul lays out here, and then, then try to see a little bit of different circumstances where this, this will really help us and strengthen us and give us greater, greater confidence. And so we need to dive into some of the future facts. This, this passage is one of, the, one of the most encouraging and helpful passages when it comes to what believers can expect after death, right? Life after death, what, what happens? Uh, well, Scripture talks about it. And here's one of the great places you can go to to learn, well, what can we expect after, uh, after death? We'll, we'll bring in a couple other passages to, uh, to fill, in the, fill in the details. Uh, there's some challenges in here that some people debate over, but, uh, but I think the things we're talking about are going to be pretty clear, and, and certainly the other scriptures will, will help to show, oh yeah, this is, this is there in scripture. Uh, and so we'll get, to, we'll get to see. Paul tells us about life after death. Now, we should, at the very beginning, be quite clear about who Paul's talking to. Uh, he's writing to the saints in Corinth. He's writing to, to believers uh, to tell them what in Christ we can expect after death. Uh, and, and that's an important, important point, that this is the future hope for those who are trusting in Christ. That the everlasting life we're going to talk about is not something that comes automatically to each and every individual. Uh, in fact, uh, what, what, is the, what is the default is that we don't deserve any of this. Uh, that because of our sin and our rebellion against God, uh, what, what we have earned is not eternal life, but eternal death. Right? The wages of sin being, being death. That's what, that's what we deserve. Uh, and it's only being rescued... Uh, by a rescuer that we can ever find life. Uh, and so you need the rescuer. You need, you need the Savior in Jesus. Uh, so if you, if you know Christ because you're trusting in him, uh, then this is, this is all the free gift that God gives. But if you don't know Christ, uh, then, then the, the future doesn't look bright at all, apart from a Savior. And this is, this is the one that's, that's, that's there and real and holds out this free gift of life. And so this is an encouragement of, of what you need and what Christ gives freely uh, to, his, to his people. So what, what does God tell us uh, about what is to come? Well, he starts with talking about the resurrection body. Uh, the resurrection body. So there's the first few verses. And, and he uses two different images to describe it. First he talks about homes. And then he talks about clothing. So homes and clothing. So first it's homes. Uh, verse, verse 1, 
for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house made, uh, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So first he talks about the earthly home. He says, the tent. That is our earthly home, the tent. Now, of course, Paul knew a thing about tents. Uh, you might remember that Paul, as an earthly occupation, constructed tents to make money, to help support his missionary work. So he knew a lot about, he knew a lot about tents. He knew how they could be built. He knew that they weren't very long-lasting. Um, well, kids, let me ask you. Kids, have you ever slept in a tent? Have you ever slept in a tent? Or just maybe just played in a tent? Uh, right? It's kind of fun. It's kind of cool. Go in the tent, you know, maybe sleep overnight. Yeah, it'd be probably fun for a night or two. Yeah. But would you like to live in a tent all the time? How about how about on a day like today? Or a night like last night? Would you have preferred to be sleeping outside on the ground in a tent? No, right? Right? Tent's fun for a little bit. But it doesn't last, right? What's so much better than that tent was where you slept last night. In your permanent house. Warm, safe, strong. It's going to last. And that's exactly the contrast that Paul is, uh, Paul is giving here. He compares our earthly physical bodies to tents. Uh, remember we talked back in chapter 4 about the jars of clay, right? The, the fragile, easily brokenness of our humanity, right? Continuing with the same idea. Tents, right? They're, they don't last. Uh, they're, 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 they easily wear out. They're, uh, they waste away. Uh, in fact, he says here, uh, not just that the earthly tent wastes away, but, but it's destroyed eventually. In other words, physically, our bodies die. Uh, our bodies die. Um, many have noted, but it's good to remind ourselves that despite all of our technological advancements, and all of our scientific inquiry, uh, the human mortality rate is still 100%. Right? The earthly tent will die. Uh, and then, though extending the tent a little bit, it's going to die. Uh, and Paul here lays that out, but not to say that that's the end of the story. Uh, in fact, he, he allows that to point to what is the permanent home. So he says, if that earthly tent, if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So he talks about this transition from an earthly tent uh, that we will put on a more permanent home. Uh, go from tent uh, to permanent building. Uh, this is a, a, a transition that, that, that uh, Jewish believers would, would have in their mind from their own history. You may remember in the Old Testament uh, how you had the, them wandering in the wilderness. And where did they stay in the wilderness? They stayed in tents. It was temporary until they got to the promised land, which was their permanent home, and they traded in tents for houses. Even, even God's special presence. Remember in the wilderness, it was tabernacle. Actually, the word Paul uses here for tent is the word for tabernacle in Greek. Old Testament tabernacle. That was a tent. It was temporary. It wouldn't last forever. But then when they got to the promised land, settled down in permanent home, what, did, what was the tabernacle replaced with? But temple, a building, a permanent structure. And Paul says, yeah, that's our story as believers. 
There's the, there's the earthly tent now while we, while we wander through the wilderness. It's fragile. Uh, it, it eventually wears out. But when we get to our permanent home, uh, the, the real promised land and the new heavens and the new earth, uh, we're gonna, uh, the tent is going to be replaced. There's going to be a new dwelling, a building made from God, he says. Not made with hands, uh, a building from God, a resurrection body. Uh, a resurrection body, one that never, never, never wastes uh, away. And if you want to see a, a picture of what this looks like, you look at Jesus. You look at Jesus. Now, if you've been with us, we've said this all along. As we're thinking about the, the blessings of the present and the blessings of the future, how do we get all this? Uh, well, we get it because of Jesus. Uh, it's by being connected to Jesus by faith, united to Christ. All that is Jesus's becomes ours. Uh, and here, as we think about the future, uh, Jesus' future becomes ours, simply because uh, we're united to him. So you think about what happened to Jesus, right? His earthly body died, but on the third day, uh, it's raised up, uh, transformed, no longer, no longer subject to weakness, no longer uh, going to die, but, but a permanent uh, resurrection body Jesus receives, he's raised up with it. In fact, he has that same resurrection body right now. Uh, kids, did you know that? Did you know that Jesus still has a physical body? He does, right? That same body, that uh, transformed body that was raised up out of the tomb is now at the right hand of God. Uh, yeah, because it doesn't wear out. Because it's permanent. Uh, and, th and that's a picture of what God will do with us. Uh, raise us up. No longer the weakness, no longer the frailty, no longer the decaying and eventually destroyed, but no, like Jesus' resurrection body, a body uh, not made with hands, permanent uh, in, in the heavens. In fact, actually, Jesus uses some of the exact same language uh, of chapter 5, verse 1, to talk about his body. If you went to, to Mark 14, uh, you get a quote of Jesus. Uh, people are accusing him. And he uses some of the same language. Now, here's, here's, here's the quote. Uh, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another, not made with hands. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the, the accusers thought he was talking about the, the temple, uh, physical building there in Jerusalem. But you remember, he was talking about his body. Uh, his body. He said, and he uses the same Paul language. Uh, destroy, uh, not made with hands, build. Uh, and, and he describes what's going to happen, right? Is the, right? One building's going to be destroyed, but then it's going to be rebuilt. Right? That's Jesus' story. But if you know Jesus, that's going to be your story. Physical body will wear out and die. But on that great day, raised up uh, with him, you'll get a, a transformed body. Uh, right? Like his resurrection body that will never uh, decay. Uh, Paul tells us, uh, Paul tells us, uh, more than as he as he changes the as he changes the image a little bit uh, to from homes to clothing. So now you go to the next few verses. Uh, see how he brings in a clothing image. So for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So Paul really emphasizing here as he talks about clothing, his, his, his emphasis is on the ultimate goal of our salvation, 
uh, is God taking us to a transformed physical material existence? Uh, that, that the ultimate gro- future life that we groan for and look to uh, is putting on resurrection bodies. That the ultimate plan for us is not that we would be unclothed, not that we'd be naked, not that we would just be disembodied spirits, but the ultimate goal that God has is that, that our bodies would be remade, transformed, uh, mortal putting on, uh, putting on immortality, putting on uh, mortal swallowed up by life. Uh, the ultimate hope is not to get rid of physical stuff, uh, that's how the that's how the Greeks pictured uh, heavenly life uh, back in Jesus' day. Greek philosophy and Greek thinking was was yeah, all this physical stuff that's all bad and tainted. And if you really want to uh, want to escape, you just get rid of all this physical stuff, and you're just pure spirit. That's the way to go. Uh, that's not Christianity at all. Uh, you just look at Jesus and his resurrection body and where he's taking us. Uh, it's not to just get rid of the material stuff because that's bad. No, it's God transforming it, God remaking it, uh, the good creation He made, transforming and remaking it. So it's 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 purged of all the decay and the darkness. That's the world around us, but it's also us. Uh, it's also us. Um, I I I wonder sometimes if uh, if the the life to come uh, doesn't seem as attractive to us because. We just think like Greeks. You know, we, we, we kind of think, okay, eternity of just kind of like floating around on a cloud, that kind of sounds boring. Uh, it doesn't capture our attention. Well, maybe because we're thinking too much like Greeks and not like Christians. Uh, the hope of, 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 the, of the Christian is the hope of Christ. It's, it's life the way it was made to be lived. Uh, physical, material, but without all the decay and all the darkness. That's where God is taking the world uh, and taking us, resurrection bodies in a, in a restored resurrection world. Um, uh, you, we could go to, to 1 Corinthians, Paul's first letter, chapter 15. He describes more of, the, of, of when exactly this is going to take place. Uh, that it's going to take place when Jesus returns. Uh, that the, the, those who are already dead will be raised and transformed in their, in their bodies, and those who are still alive. Uh, will be will have their um, earthly tents transformed into a, a resurrection body when Christ returns uh, the a new heavens and new earth around us and new permanent resurrection bodies for us okay that's where it's ultimately headed uh, when Jesus comes back but what happens if we die now uh, and Jesus doesn't come back for 10 20 100. 500 years. What happens between death now and Jesus returning then? Well, that's what theologians call the intermediate state. Uh, And it seems to be exactly what Paul is describing at the end of our passage. So let's take a look there. Verses 6 to 8. And and notice how Paul seems to be describing a different uh, different situation now. Uh, He he talks about it by contrasting two different different modes of existence for, for the believer. So verse 6, that describes our situation now. Verse 6, we know that when while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Okay, at home in the body, right? Here, now, earthly bodies. That means we are away from the Lord Jesus. Uh, not that he's not with us through the Holy Spirit, he is. But Jesus has a physical body, and it's not here. 
Uh, it's, it's at the right hand of the Father. So uh, while we're here in our physical bodies, Jesus is, uh, oh, we are away from the Lord Jesus. That's where we, we are right now. But then Paul contrasts that uh, with what he says a much preferable situation, uh, verse 8, saying, we're of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So here this preferable state Paul's talking about is, is the reverse. It's away from the body and at home with the Lord. Away from the physical body because, because our physical earthly bodies die. Uh, and in this different position with the Lord, we're with him. We're in his presence uh, at the, uh, before the Father. Uh, a different situation. It seems, and it seems different than what he was describing in the first couple of verses. Because there he was talking about being in a transformed body. Uh, here what he seems to be describing, exactly what the Bible teaches elsewhere, uh, which is there is this intermediate state. Uh, so if the believer dies now, but Christ doesn't come back uh, and resurrect uh, his people uh, just yet, there's this in-between time when we are, verse 8, away from the body, but present with the Lord. Uh, one, of the, one of the best illustrations of this is, is that passage from Luke that we read earlier. Right? Uh, there's Jesus, and he's, he's talking with that criminal, that thief uh, on, on the cross. Uh, kids, did you catch what we read there uh, earlier? Uh, how we were talking about Jesus. He's dying there on the cross, and there are two criminals on either side. And the one, uh, remember what the one says to Jesus? says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Do you remember what Jesus says? Uh, Jesus says, truly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus told, uh, told that, that criminal, that thief on the cross, that that very day, uh, the thief would be with him in paradise, in heaven. Uh, so kids, let me just tell you this one thing, because it's a, a really good uh, illustration of, of how somebody gets to go to heaven. Right? So let me ask you about what you think about this thief on the cross. Was that guy a really good guy? He did like all sorts of really good things in his life. Is he a good guy? No. No, in fact, he was a really, really bad guy. All right, so bad that he was put to death because of his wicked deeds. All right, so a really bad guy. But Jesus says he gets to go to heaven. How is that possible? Uh, well, it's a good reminder that nobody gets to go to heaven because they do really good things. Uh, we could never do enough. He gets to go to heaven the, the way anybody gets to go to heaven because he looked to Jesus, acknowledged that he, he was a sinner, and, and looked to Jesus as the one who could rescue him. Right? And that's how, that's how we get to go to heaven. Uh, we acknowledge that we need someone to save us, and we look to Jesus. Jesus, remember me. Jesus, save me. And, and, and the free gift that comes to him or to you or to moms and dads, right, Today you'll be with me in paradise. When we die, we go to be with him. So a good reminder of how we get to heaven, uh, but also a reminder of what that transition uh, is and what it's like. So here's this, uh, here's this thief on the cross, uh, right? What happens after death? Well, it's exactly what Paul describes in, in, uh, in verse 8 of our passage. He is, after he dies that day, away from the body but present with the Lord. Right? He's away from his physical body, right? It dies on the cross next to Jesus and buried somewhere or other. Uh, that's where his physical body is. 
but of course, a human is both body and soul. Where is the, uh, the soul of this thief? Well, Jesus says, with me in paradise, in, in heaven. Uh, and that's the situation for him. Uh, and that will be the situation for all of God's people. Uh, as, we, as we look to the Lord in faith, all right, there's a, a day will come when we'll die, and, but that will be away from the body, but present uh, with the Lord. Uh, actually, actually, if you want to put this whole thing together, uh, you look at Jesus, right? You look at the Jesus story, because what does Scripture tell us? It's, it's the Jesus story that becomes our story, right? We're united to him uh, so that all that's his becomes ours, and you look at Jesus and you can see the whole thing play out. Uh, and, and this is actually a great time of year to do it because we're getting into Easter time. So you get to in the weeks ahead to kind of meditate on these things. You look at you look at Jesus' uh, story. What happens? Well, Good Friday, he dies. Uh, he dies. Uh, his humanity dies, of course. He's he can't kill divinity. Jesus, of course, fully God, fully man. Uh, in his full humanity, he has a human body, but also a human soul. Uh, so he dies that Good Friday. We know what happened to his body because we're told uh, that, that some, of, some of his followers prepared it and buried it in the tomb. Right? His human body dies. Uh, but where is the human soul of Jesus after he dies on that Good Friday? Well, he tells the thief exactly where he's going to be. Uh, he's going to be in paradise with the thief. Right? So it's kind of like what verse 8, away from the body, but he's going to be in, in paradise uh, in, in, in the, uh, with, the, with the Father. And he remains that way for a period of time, right? Uh, human soul uh, in heaven, human body in the tomb, he remains that way for a period of time, right? Friday night, Saturday, and then what happens on, on Easter Sunday morning? Right? The, the body is raised up, but transformed, right? There's that building from God that he talked about, Paul talked about in the first few verses, uh, and his and his his human soul is reunited with that human now transformed body, uh, and and he's uh, and he's raised up on that Easter Sunday, and you see that progression from from death uh, to intermediate state to resurrection state. That's that's the story for the believer. Uh, that's uh, that's our story because we're connected to Jesus. And so, apart from Jesus coming back in our lifetime, here's how it's going to play out for for you, believer, and for me. At some point, there's going to be a Good Friday for us. We're going to die physically. Uh, and, and our body will be put in some kind of grave for a time. But uh, our, our soul immediately into the presence of God will be away from the body, but present with the Lord. Immediately, just like that thief, uh, because of God's grace. But, and there will be a period of time, uh, kind of the equivalent of Friday night, Saturday, and at some point that we don't know, Jesus will return, and that will be the great resurrection day, the great Easter Sunday morning, when we'll have that Easter Sunday experience uh, for ourselves, when we will be raised up physically with those transformed bodies and our, 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 our souls perfected in glory, reunited with our bodies, and now uh, that Easter Sunday of Jesus will become for all eternity, a body that doesn't wear out, and a world that's transformed uh, forever with the Lord. Jesus' story becomes our story because of what he did for us. So there's the, there's the, the, the facts uh, that, that Paul wants us to meditate on. He wants us to know the details so we can meditate on them because he knows 
that will give us good courage. Right? That's what Paul repeated. Now, you saw it twice. Verse 8, verse 6. So we are of good courage. He even says, so we're always of good courage. Can you start to see how those promises of the future by grace uh, make, help us to have courage now? Maybe, we could, maybe we, could, we could break it down a little bit. When does this help us? How does, what situations does this help us have good courage in? How about good courage when things hurt? Good courage when things hurt. When your body's in pain, again. Uh, and, and it hurts, again. And, and you think of those things that you'd like to be doing, but you can't do because it hurts. There is that time when this glorious future, it doesn't take away the pain, it doesn't make it hard, it doesn't make it not hard, but it gives courage in the midst, confidence in the midst of the difficulty. You can say to yourself, I know where God is taking me. Even, even thinking physically, bodily, uh, that, that there's going to be a time when I'm going to get a body that's going to be not like this weak, painful, limiting body, but transformed renewed, no weakness, no pain, and the life that God creates us to live without all the, uh, the fallenness and decay. You can say, that's, that's where God is taking me, uh, and that can give me confidence even in the midst of the difficulty now. So good courage when things hurt. Also, it gives us good courage when we're tempted. Good courage when we're tempted. Uh, tempted to, to grab a hold of some uh, some earthly pleasure in a sinful way, right? Uh, an earthly pleasure in a sinful way. We're tempted. It looks good, but it's not ha- the way God says uh, it should be, the time or the way, but we're tempted to grab it anyway. Um, this helps us. Because uh, a lot of times in those moments where we're tempted to grab a hold uh, of, of a sinful pleasure uh, in, a, in an unbiblical way, part of what's driving us uh, is... Is a, is a fear of missing out, right? A fear of missing out, right? You've heard of that, FOMO, uh, you know, fear of missing out, right? If, if I don't just grab it, then, then I, I, I'm going to miss out, this, this thing, I'm going to miss out. Can you see how, how the resurrection life to come speaks to that? That for the believer, there is no fear of missing out. Uh, that God promises that a day is coming and an eternity beyond uh, when we will be remade, uh, not just some ethereal spirits floating around, but remade resurrection bodies in a resurrected world, life the way God created it to be lived and better. Uh, we don't, we're not given all the details of what that looks like, but we can know for sure, based on, on those details, that we're never going to get to that point and have someone, a believer, say, oh man, I missed out. Right? Because we'll be fully satisfied in that life uh, as it was made to be lived. Uh, so so we, can, we don't have to have that fear control us now because we know where God is taking us. So it's good courage when we're tempted. Good courage when, when spiritually we're, we're, we're feeling a bit cold. Uh, good, good courage when we're feeling spiritually cold. Maybe that uh, that time, in, uh, you know, here and and God just seems so far away. Right? He just seems so far away. Uh, can you see how this encourages you? Then uh, it encourages you because you know that a day is coming when we'll be absent from the body but present with the Lord. 
uh, and even beyond uh, beyond the, the great resurrection, still present with the Lord. So what's now just uh, just faith uh, will will one day be sight, right? What we don't see now, we will see then. Uh, and so that that struggle and that sense that God seems far away, all that will be gone. All that will be gone. You can encourage yourself when you when you feel spiritually cold. Uh, how about one more? Good courage when you sin. Good courage when you sin. Uh, right? We talked about being tempted. But what happens if you're tempted and you fall? Right? You, you, you give in to the temptation. And, and it makes a mess. It, it, it hurts other people. You, you're crushed by the, by the sense of guilt of it. Uh, meditate on the life to come. Uh, a day is coming, you can remind yourself, when I will sin no more. There will be no temptation, and I won't fall. Never again. That's coming. And you can remind yourself of how you get to that day. That it's not because you did perfectly here. And you beat every battle and won every temptation. Right? That you can remind yourself, you're that thief on the cross. Uh, That though you strive uh, for, for godliness in Christ... Uh, the, the way the way you get to that life to come is not because you did really well. Uh, it's because uh, it's because as a free gift, uh, in the midst of your guilt, uh, just like that thief, you turn to Jesus and say, "Remember me, help me, save me." And and God not only not only grants that thief grants to us. Okay, sure, why not? Right, but but a, a, a delighted welcome. Right? Can you hear it in Jesus' voice? You will be with me this day in paradise. Uh, Jesus isn't talked into it. He delights to give it, even to this one uh, who doesn't deserve it. Doesn't that, uh, doesn't that encourage us that the welcome we get from Jesus, uh, even, even in those times when we've sinned, uh, it's a Jesus who delights to welcome us and will on that great day. Uh, actually, I, I'll do one more. Uh, good courage when you mourn. Good courage when you mourn. Uh, when you're when you're grieving the death of a loved one, um, it hurts. It's hard, uh, understandably, and they, even this speaks to it because death is an enemy, uh, right? Your death is doing what what God never intended, which is the ripping apart of soul and body and being uh, being separated from loved ones. Like right? that is ugly. Uh, so the mourning makes sense, but you see here in this in this. Jesus' story, how God conquers death, and how we can look forward for ourselves, but also for, uh, for our loved ones in Christ, uh, that, that, God, uh, that God raises them up, right, by grace. And, they'll, they're, and, and in Christ, they're away from the body, but present with the Lord. Of course, we might, we might quickly think of, well, what about that loved one who, it didn't seem like he, he, he professed Christ, or, or she, uh, she followed Jesus at all. Uh, well, I think the thief on the cross gives us some real encouragement. Uh, it gives us encouragement that God delights uh, to rescue people at the very hour of their death, uh, when, when no one else might be paying attention or even notice. Now, now, that's not a guarantee that God, God saves everyone, uh, but it does give us, uh, give us a real courage that we have a God who is good, who is gracious, and delights to save, even at the very hour of death, even when, when no one else notices. Uh, it gives us courage when we mourn. 
And it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of what he did. And we will. We'll have opportunities. We go through this Easter season to, uh, to replay the story of Jesus, and you can remind yourself, that's my story. Right? That's where God is taking me. Right? The, the death, yes, but then, but then present with the Lord, then resurrection body. It happened to Jesus, and that guarantees it will happen to me in him. Uh, we'll still groan. You saw Paul use that language. Uh, we groan. Uh, but it's a, it's a groan, not a not a complaint, more and more. Groaning for Paul is this kind of, oh, it hurts, but you're leaning forward, right? He, he compares it in Romans to, to childbirth, right? Oh, it hurts badly, uh, but it's going somewhere. God is doing something and bringing something glorious about, and that's the groaning we have now as believers. It hurts, it's hard, but we lean forward in our groan. God is taking it somewhere glorious, just just look at Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would, you would fix our eyes on the Savior, that you would give us encouragement and hope in him in all those hard places in this world. Uh, we thank you that, that your salvation is full and free. Uh, give us faith in him and more and more courage. Uh, we do pray in Jesus' name.